Welcome to the Rise Up Good Witch podcast, a radical approach to herbalism, self-care, and the tarot. Hey everyone, welcome to the 19th episode of the Rise Up Good Witch podcast. This is Karina. So it's in bulk. It's the 1st of February. I don't know that much about it because I'm not a pagan. I'm just a witch. Um, But if this is pagan spring, then we made it. We got through the winter. I'm here in the desert and it's been pretty cold and rainy, which I was trying to escape. Um, And I'm really excited today for the guest. I always say that, but I'm really honored to th- uh to share this conversation with y'all with my friend Marissa from Circo Tarot. She has so much rich knowledge and experience to share with us about cultural appropriation and healing um and for some of us white folks what things we might be doing or supporting even unknowingly that could be harmful. So I really want to get into that and hold that space for Marissa. Um, But before I go into that, if you would like to support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash riseupgoodwitch and you can pledge whatever amount is doable for you. At the $2 level, you get access to regular blogs and vlogs at most Tuesdays. Not every Tuesday, but I would say four out of five Tuesdays, I do a blog or a vlog. And you also, if you pledge at the $5 level, you get access to a monthly e-zine and a monthly uh, full moon collective tarot card reading, as well as you are entered into a raffle to receive a few of my apothecary items. So I'm almost to a point where I'm able to kick down some money to um, podcast guests who come on and that's something that's really important to me and I would like to be able to do it. So um, your donations mean a lot and uh, I think that for the donation amount of $5, it's it's way worth, worth your while. If you're interested in expanding your knowledge on tarot and herbalism and astrology transits, etc., I think um, the content offered there is pretty abundant. So if you enjoy this episode, go to www.patreon.com slash riseupgoodwitch or just share this episode. Um, This episode is really important. Marissa has so much to share. I think if this episode resonates with you, share it with folks that you know. Share the message. Please also rate and review on iTunes. It helps the podcast get out there to more people who might be interested in it. So without without further ado, happy new moon in Aquarius. I hope everybody's taking care of themselves through, you know, anything that may be coming up. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Marissa. <laughs> hey. So do you, thank you for being here today. Thank you for talking to me. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know you, do you want to just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so my name is Marissa de la Peña. I am the owner and creator of the Circo Tarot. I'm a Chicanx and indigenous femme currently based out of Los Angeles, California. And I am a divination tool maker, reader, and bruja. Amazing. So what, it, what kind of tools do you make? Like what kind of uh, practices do you have? Um, 
Well, right now it's just mainly, uh, sorry, mainly focused on cardamancy. So I mainly work on making um, tarot decks and oracle decks, spreads. Um, I also am a reader, so I do private events and private readings as well. Um, and yeah, so I've I've come out with multiple decks: the Circo Tarot, Persephone Tarot, um, Strange Lens Oracle, and then How to Deal with Harper Collins. And I just really love making tools for people to use in this industry. So awesome! So, how did you first get into tarot and making cards? Um, well, I got into tarot when I was fourteen, and I was like every other bored fourteen-year-old in a small town. Just went to the library, found the New Age section, fell in love with it, found a tarot book. Um, my mom was really encouraging of me learning tarot. She bought me my first deck when I was 14 and has always been like my number one supporter and my number one cheerleader. And she really helped me sort of like focus on tarot and, you know, kind of bring that full circle when it comes to my practice and my work. Wow, that's amazing. So it's been like when you were a teenager, you really got into tarot. I really got into it. And then, you know, like, college happened and I was really focused on college and I was I was um, a textile major and then that didn't work out because I realized I didn't like the industry and then I went into illustration and then tarot kind of followed me back into that because I really missed working with it I felt like it was a really helpful tool and I began to refocus on it and then start working on a tarot deck I'm wondering because you have talked a little bit about your experience like in art school and doing textiles and and then because you're some you know some of your themes are like circus um themed so it seems like that's kind of like an influence from yeah. as a textile major yeah um i felt like in textiles like there was we got to see like a whole spectrum of like the world basically like it's the world is extremely diverse. Um, you realize like how diverse everything really is through textiles. And I felt like textiles was a really, I just felt like textiles was like a really amazing way for me to like learn the world around me. Also learn more about my own culture. And it was a great way for me to express myself. But at the same time too, I felt like it was really limiting and very, um, just kind of like how the healing industry is. It's very uh, white focused. And I felt like it was really hard for me to continue the work that I wanted to do because it either didn't feel authentic. Um, I didn't like the way the industry was going. I felt like with illustration and with tarot, there was more flexibility and there was more room for me to be authentic with my my craft and my art. Okay, do you want to expand at all about like the lack of authenticity or like the problems that you saw like in the textile industry in art? Um, so I just, I mean, just kind of like what, what's going on in the healing community. There's a lot of appropriation that happens. And I really was not cool with it. And I felt like it was it, another part of it that was really difficult was the lack of diversity of BI um, POCs in my own field, in my own school. And a lot of the stories that were being told were being told through a white person. It wasn't being told by a Latinx person. It wasn't being told by, you know, a Haitian person. And I just felt like that wasn't right. And I had an encounter where when I did feel like I showed my truth, I was immediately shut down and I was immediately questioned. And that kind of really, that made me feel pretty bad. <laughs> That's an extreme abuse of power. I think like hearing your experiences like in, you know, anytime I, I think in the institution and like art institutions, there's 
just an extreme abuse of power when someone who, you know, not only comes from like a socially and economically like more privileged background, like being white, having like a lot of education, um, there's just so much room for them to like impose just like their views onto their students in a way that like controls how, you know, what the student gets as a grade and, and all that. Yeah. So I felt like it was really difficult for me to like want to continue to stay doing the work I was doing because I felt like I was either constantly having to police my feelings with others or my feelings were being policed in front of me. And I like I didn't appreciate that. I had that encounter with one of my final critiques for my senior project when I made a jacket that was extremely colorful on the outside. But that's kind of like how you know, my, my Chicanx roots are, my indigenous roots are, is like our art is so beautiful and so colorful, but behind it is a lot of pain, and a lot of hurt that comes with colonization, that comes with our history. And so the interior of the jacket had a repeat pattern of all the violent tactics that were used against us indigenous folks back in the day. And also, you know, what we did to, to fight back, um, to restore to restore those truths. And, you know, I had a white professor tell me that my work was inappropriate and they couldn't give me a reason why. And it made me really upset that I couldn't, I couldn't share my authenticity without my, my pain being questioned. And it's like, why, it's like, why do people of color have to constantly prove our pain in order to justify our feelings? when we have hundreds of years of proof. Yeah, that's real. That's, that's, yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's really fucked up. Um, when in the, ter do you feel like the tarot community, you have like repeats of that situation in like the healing community? I feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I, I went on a rant yesterday and then I deleted it because I felt embarrassed. And then I was like, why am I policing myself again? And I feel like there's a lot of people who say that they're allies, but they're just not doing enough work and they're not encouraging others to do the work because for some reason that seems to be easier. And that really hurts. Um, it really hurts when you have so many other, you know, BIPOCs with you and you, know, you have your whole community with you and we're all up in arms and we're all, you know, saying our grievances, but yet nobody's hearing us, if that makes any sense. Like, we're seen, but we're not heard. Mm -hmm. our, our stories are shared on your Instagram stories, but they're not, like, there's nothing else behind them. Like, tell me the reason why this resonated with you. I want to know why. I think it's really mm -hmm. easy to just share something and be like, well, that, that was my moment of being woke. And it's like, no, you're really not because you're still not doing the work because we're still hurting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's, and it's also a lot of things that would be considered small to another community, which are large for us. So the appropriation of certain patterns and textiles is a lot. The appropriation of certain imagery on tarot cards is a lot, but for a person where it's not affected, where it has not affected them personally, it doesn't seem like a lot. And it's easy to accept that. I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm thinking about like this kind of movement towards performative allyship, uh, which is something I've been 
thinking about a lot, like really deeply in my own work and just what exactly that means and how easy it is to share something on a specific date or a specific day or when something happens, but then on a day when there's nothing visible um, to like for us white folks, like we don't have visibility for us. Sometimes we're like, oh, well that, you know, that's not where our awareness is that day. And creating that awareness every day is really important in the white community, I think, for us to heal our ancestors and, he, you know, and pay reparations and, like, you know, work yeah. to kind of combat, like, the repeating of oppression in everyday life that happens now. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that that comes in different forms. Like, I think that what needs to go on in the healing community is that things like the appropriation of certain imagery needs to end. The appropriation of certain um, traditions and practices needs to end because that's the continuation of our pain. And people don't really get that. And it's like, it hurts when you continue to use these images. It hurts when you continue to use these practices without our consent. It's disrespectful to us and our culture and it's disrespectful to our elders and our ancestors. remember you mentioned before about like certain imagery and decks that were like really appropriating um yeah. certain images um that were kind of like mass produced did you want to say anything about that yeah I there's a lot of um companies that like to like the more mass produced decks in our community um like one of the biggest I would say contributors to this problem would be a company called I would call them Schmay Mouse <laughs> Shmay Mouse likes to use a lot of brown bodies and a lot of um, indigenous um, imagery in a lot of their decks. And a lot of the creators also of these decks need to be held accountable because a lot of these images are either whitewashed or they're just presented as an aesthetic thing. There's no information given as to why these images are used in these cards. And it's also coming from a source that isn't of that nation isn't of that culture, isn't of, of that descendants. And it's like, why are you using this image? Why are you using these, these tools in this card? And there's never an explanation given why. And that's the thing that bothers me is like, how come there's more focus given to these kind of decks, but when there's decks made by people of color, they're given less notice when they're coming from an authentic source. But for some reason, you, you're okay with using words like spirit animal or using brown bodies. But when it comes from an authentic source, there's like no interest in it. I don't get that. Yeah, there are, there are so many mass produced decks. And I think like one of the great things about like decks like yours, uh, it's your like, you know, it's so connected to, I'm assuming, it's so connected to your narrative, your history, and everyone that does a deck. But then these mass-produced ones, it's like they're commercializing and kind of like creating homogenous, whitewashed, as you say, like images that are actually coming from like real deep stories and narratives. So it's like, how do you even use that in divination? Like, how do you even use that as magic? Like, that's so, it's like, I don't know, that that just seems like, you have to be so connected to like your roots, your ancestors, like your your practice 
um, and your narrative in order to like make magic, I, I think. So if you're like using something that's like homogenized, that's very, very homogenous, you're using something that like takes from cultures um, that maybe your ancestors were participated in, in, in violence against and, and takes those images out of context. It's really, it's not, not healing work. It's just like another part of capitalism, I think. It's another part of capitalism and it's another part of systemic racism. And it's just another way of showing like, oh, well, we don't really care. So we're going to do this instead. And it's kind of like in 2019, there's so much accountability and there's so much visibility and transparency. There really is no excuse for this kind of behavior to continue. There really isn't. And, you know, I'm going to call someone out right now. I'm going to call out Colette Barron because she came out with a deck called Spirit Animal Deck. And, and on the back of it is um, a dream catcher with a doe. And why, why would you use a dream catcher in this? I want to know why. And I also want to know why you use the word spirit animal. Because I feel like that's a term that has been adopted by the New Age community that needs to be, I think we need to get rid of that word. Like we shouldn't be using that word anymore unless it actually applies to indigenous practices. Because a lot of people don't realize that spirit animal is a really personal thing. Like as a Mexica woman, when we're born at a certain time of day and a certain day of the week, that corresponds with an animal. That animal follows you from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. It's a very, very connected thing and a very spiritual thing to have. I'm born under the sign of the Quetzal, the bird. And that bird is going to follow me throughout my whole life. But when then somebody comes out with a deck that's, you know, a spirit animal deck, it's like, oh, you're trivializing my culture. You're trivializing my, my identity. And it hurts. Yeah, white folks really shouldn't, we shouldn't use the phrase spirit animal. Um, it's, I, I'm, yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's probably work that I have to do in my own communities is talk to folks about not the spirit animal. Um, but I also like uh, what you have said before about like, if someone's talking about their spirit animal and maybe they're not indigenous or like, you know, it's hard, you can't always tell, but just like checking in with someone like, oh, are you an, are you an indigenous person? And I'm not saying that you can't have a connection to something because that's not fair. We can all have connections to things, but I think of how we use it is that's how it matters, how we pay homage to it. That's how it matters. And I feel like there is no, um, there is no homage. There is no respect being paid right now, at least. It just seems like it's a cool thing to say. It's a cool thing to do. And it's like, no, it's so much more than that. So as, as was, as with is with other you know, cultures, um, BPOC cultures. Like there's so much more work. There's so much more history going into it. And there's not enough care for outside audiences to put in the work to understand why. Mm-hmm. And that that's a form of laziness, but also there is no excuse. Like I, 2019 for me is I'm not giving people excuses anymore because it's just not cool. Yeah. yeah you shouldn't um it is it is like and especially like and I wanted to ask you about this um about like how you know in numerology we're in the year of the hanged man and um actually I remember you talking about 
what your particular, um, one of your interpretations of the hanged man card was. And I wanted to ask if you wanted to like talk about that in terms, you know, what kind of time we're moving into. Yeah. So I have, um, in my Circo Tarot deck, I have a woman on an aerial hoop and she's the hanged woman. And I feel like with this, uh, hanged man year, we're kind of, there's a sort of shift in consciousness, but it's all about choice. And I feel like right now is the time where people are going to decide whether or not they want to tie themselves down and explore, or people are going to keep themselves tied up and continue the same cycle, continue the same education because it's easy and it's comfy. But I want people in 2019 to push themselves out of their comfort zones. I want them to, I want them to struggle with the hoop. I want them to struggle, you know, with finding their way down, find their way up because it's a journey. Um, but it's also not my job to help to facilitate that journey. I can give you ideas. Mm -hmm. I can give you notions. I can, I can say what's on my mind and I can tell you from what it's like in my perspective, but I cannot educate or facilitate that experience for others. I feel like a lot of 2019, especially the hanged man year or hanged woman year, it's a lot of people coming to terms with accountability and a lot of people coming to terms with how they want to make their next move and how they want to be seen and how they want to be heard. And I think that there's going to be a shift. And I feel like there's so many amazing voices that are coming up. There's so many amazing resources that are coming up. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm actually excited. As much as like a downer as the beginning of this podcast may have been, I'm actually really excited for 2019. I do see some improvements. I do see changes on the horizon for people of color in this industry. And I'm very, very excited. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say that it's like a downer. I mean, you're just being real. Like this is your experience and you're sharing it. And I, you know, I want to honor that. And I know that like everyone listening, you know, they, they better be honoring that. But I think that they, they are honoring that because, you know, it's, it's not like being, you know, I, I think like it, when you get into the like, oh, this is being negative or whatever, then you get into the whole like love and light like fucked upness oh. um and yeah so like i think like you know talking about racism having the uncomfortable conversations white folks looking in the mirror every day like that is and and one thing also i think is like i've been my in my philosophy around tarot i've been thinking a lot about how like you know we have the justice card yeah and we're living in a time where you know I mean, really, like any time, probably historically, like what is justice institutionally? It's it doesn't exist, really. Like institutional justice doesn't always exist. But then I think hanged man is like the embodiment of justice. It's like justice applied to our everyday life. So when you're talking about, you know, like white people who take a screenshot and post it, and that's as far as it goes in terms of like what they're doing to show up, um, to send solidarity and to um you know give back and advocate for like folks who are you know black indigenous folks of color who are in their community like i think that you know white folks actually like exploring what that looks like is justice applied it's like the hanged man well i feel like it's also this is like never going to be a comfortable transition like being like being strung up by your foot is never a comfortable thing 
and it, it will never be a comfortable experience. It has not been a comfortable experience for Black and Indigenous people of color. It will not be a comfortable experience for white allies. It will not. Um, and the thing is, like, I don't want it to be comfortable because we we constantly have to live in our skin 24-7. We constantly have to live in our truths 24-7. And I feel like it's really easy for white allies and the white audience to return back to their to their comfort, to return back to their safe place where we, people of color, we don't have that. We don't have that option. Um, and I, I would like, you know, more of the healing community to understand that. It's absolutely true. It's being, being a white person, like being aware of like the racism ingrained in you and the racism in your society and the racism that you benefit from every day is like the most uncomfortable thing. But it's like, you know, and we're taught, if we're talking about, like, I've been talking a lot about, like, Sun conjunct Pluto, which just happened. And, and this idea of, like, when you're, when you're woke to, like, the, the wounds that you have been blind to and that you've been, you know, responsible on a for creating, when you're blind to that and you open your eyes and you see it, we have, and we see this, like, politically, you can either be uncomfortable as you work to change or be uncomfortable when you go into your ego and def and try to like get all defensive and make excuses or deflect or be manipulative like there's discomfort like this is like what I'm saying to white folks like I'm just like there's it's uncomfortable like no matter what like it's uncomfortable if you do the work it's uncomfortable if you choose not to yeah I mean maybe not actually I take that back I'm sure there's plenty of white people who are like not uncomfortable not doing the work. They're like, I don't care. So did you wanna um, talk at all about like, you know, anything going on like on the, like on a larger scale? In the, in the healing community or in? Yeah, in general, like political. I, I definitely feel like, you know, especially with what's happened this past weekend in DC with Indigenous Peoples March, there is a lot more conversation towards who, who should be given the platform to speak? Who should be given the time? And then also accountability. And it's this past weekend was a prime example of showing what privilege looks like. I think a lot of people need to understand that it's very much still exists. It still very much works in the system against Black and Indigenous people of color. And we're not, we're still not looking at what's important in the picture. What's important was that an elder was disrespected. Women were disrespected. And there were a large amount of, you know, white youths who were not held accountable for their actions because regardless of like who, what, where, they were still there. Their parents were behind them and they still did nothing to get, to correct their behavior. Mm -hmm. um, there still is no accountability. Uh, that That's seeping into the healing community when it comes to people using practices that are not their own is we need to hold these people accountable and we need to hold them accountable until there is change because we can't just drop things. People can easily drop things like, you know, like, oh, the whole white sage thing, like, oh, that's no longer a problem. Yes, it is, because there are still stores selling white sage. There are still people over harvesting white sage. Um, there's still people appropriating imagery that isn't theirs. And we're, we're trying to explain why it's not right. But then we're back into a corner and it's like, I get that you've, you've been ingrained in these practices for 10 years, 
or this is what you've learned from, you know, a book that you really love. You know what? Authenticity matters. My mom and my, my grandfather always said this to me, never make shit. And the way they worded it was always kind of confusing. Like, don't make shit. Like, like, oh, I'm not going to do shit. And I'm like, like, no, don't make shitty shit. So when it comes to my own practice, like, I never want to make something that doesn't come from an authentic source because therefore the magic that and the, and the connection to the universe isn't authentic. I think that a lot of people don't understand that the work that they do has repercussions in the universe. So when you're using inauthenticity, you're not going to get the results in your practice. When you use inauthenticity, you're hurting ancestors and you're hurting elders and you're hurting other cultures. You can't make good work and good magic with shit. And a lot of what's going on in the healing community is shit. <laughs> like, where are your tools coming from? Where are your crystals sourced? Where is your incest sourced? Where, sorry, your incense sourced? Where, who, what type of people are making your, your decks, you know? Who are the people making your candles? I want people to start thinking about that more. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's so, that's totally real. I, I have this question right now and we've kind of gone into this already, but like, how do you think tarot in general ties into anti-oppression work and social justice work and how doesn't it? I think there's a lot of how it doesn't mm -hmm. because I'm obviously complaining about it, <laughs> but there's also this amazing influx of new people kind of, you know, showing, showing what the other side of the divination community is. And I mean, the other side, I mean, the black and indigenous people of color side, we love divination. We love magic. We love our practices. And people need to understand that a lot of our practices because of the church or because of the government circumstances that we were in, we were not allowed to practice them. So when we see other people practicing our traditions that we weren't able to practice, it hurts. And it's so cavalier for others, but these are things that were sacred to us. And I see a lot of amazing divination tool makers of color coming out with their own decks, you know, showing how proud they are of their melanin, showing how proud they are of their culture and paying homage, right homage and authentic like homage to their ancestors. And, you know, a lot of them are like Kaleidodope. She's an amazing creator. Um, then you have like my friend, um, Gabby, I Capazona, she is a really amazing Mexica artist and she's working on a, um, on a deck that is just like all beautiful brown bodies and just, you know, being proud of our culture and showing that, you know, we, we do have a place in this divination community. I just saw that one last night because you posted it. It is, it is so beautiful. And that, it, the image of you looks so much like you. It, like, captures your essence. Yeah, like, she, and the thing is, is, like, she really, as another woman of color, she really understands the importance of tying our lineage to our image. And she asked me, she sat me down and she asked me all about my roots. And it just like, when I looked at it, like, I just was like, oh my God, like my ancestors would be so happy. <laughs> um, and, you know, she wants us to be proud of our braids. She wants us to be proud of our melanin. She wants us to be proud of that. And that's something that I'm doing now where the new deck I'm working on is, you know, all about my 
my, my Mexica, my indigenous roots and how proud I am and how that can translate into, you know, this community, because there are a lot of us. We just want to be heard. What do you think about, um, like, maybe this is a weird question, but um, so a lot of, a lot of tarot readers that are getting a lot of credit and recognition and who are kind of like at the top, quote unquote, of, of the center white people and um what do you think about like white folks using decks that were created using this imagery that's um specific to indigenous cultures well my first thing is is it from an authentic source Mm -hmm. oh right so not i don't mean like the the mass produced i mean like using like when your friend's deck comes out or using like you Um, know there's a lot of I want to know I want to know why you connect to it I want to know and I'm not saying that you can't use it by all means if you connect to something use it but don't profit off of it like don't use Mm -hmm. these for readings that you make for profit of like don't use these um you know as a as a means to transport your career because that's not our job um I feel like Mm -hmm. decks should be a available to anybody and if you resonate with something you should definitely use it but never for like you know commodification like it shouldn't and also shouldn't come from a place of like fetishizing because I feel like that's a really easy thing to do too in this community is that we'll fetishize people of color we'll fetishize indigenous people and a lot of people unknowingly do it so I my question is is why do you want to use this deck what draws you to it and also at the same time too thank you for your support (laughs) because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people who um, who look past creators of color, you know, wholesalers look past like, you know, creators of color. I'll go into a divination shop and the majority, even the indie decks are all from white creators. And these are also shops that I've reached out to where I'm like, hey, are you interested? And it's kind of like, and a lot of things are based on following too, where I'll see all these creators of color and they have lower followings than their white counterparts mm-hmm. and it's like it's almost like the industry is working against people of color sometimes which it is I'm like I shouldn't even suggest that because it is and then again it comes into the question of why are you okay with certain things of color being used but when it comes from the full authentic source, why are you hesitant or why aren't you giving it your attention? Yeah, because those mass produced decks with like the dream catchers and the spirit animals and stuff that are made by white people are in so many shops. Yeah. And, you know, and there's also like indie creators or creators that are now on a higher platform that have been doing that, too. And they're millennials. And mm-hmm. I want to know why. I want to know why you are still perpetuating these ideas and these images that we're telling you aren't okay. Yeah, it seems like an ownership, you know. It seems like as a white person, I would say I think it's uh, uh there's a lot of white folks that have feel an entitlement or an ownership over imagery that they've co-opted. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, it comes from ego and by letting go, a lot of really amazing work can therefore come in. Like you don't need the dream catchers. You don't need the white sage. You, you don't need the limpias. You don't need 
you know, the Dia de los Muertos makeup. You don't need all of that in order to feel connected with people of color. You don't need to use those those tools in order to feel connected to us. If you want to feel connected to us, get it from an authentic source. Do the research. Understand why. Just don't buy into it. Yeah, that's a really, thank you. That's a really good point. Um, so I guess, is there anything that you feel like we left out in this conversation? Is there anything that you wanted to add that I didn't ask? We covered quite a lot. <laughs> so if folks want to support you, um, I know your deck is out of print right now, but where can people find you? Um, you can find me on my Instagram, which is Circo Tarot, C-I-R-C-O Tarot, or CircoTarot.com. Um, I'm going to be reopening my shop in the spring when I come out with my new deck, Kitsal Tarot, which I'm very excited about. Um, and yeah, I, I'm always posting stories. I'm always posting new things and, you know, going to probably try to be more honest with how I feel and it's, it's a scary thing, but you know, just putting myself out there. <laughs> Demand here. Gotta, you know, gotta be, gotta be honest. And I think our can receive your honesty and can like hear you out. Those are, you know, you, it's kind of like a, a weeding out process. It really is. Um, and I feel like we're the, there's things that are changing that are making me happy already. Um, I think it just was so easy for me to focus on the negative because of this past weekend. But um, I do see a lot of good change happening. Yeah. I see a lot of great creators um, out there and it makes me really excited. Me too. I'm excited for this year. I know it's going to be hard. I'm already like, okay, I'm like committing myself to doing a lot of hard work and it's not easy, but I'm really thankful to be able to connect with you and all the other amazing people from Instagram. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thanks again for having this conversation with me and letting it be on the podcast. Yeah, I, I'm really grateful. Thank you for giving me the time and the space to say what I wanted to say. And um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. for listening to the rise up good witch podcast if you enjoyed the show please rate and review in itunes and check out www.riseupgoodwitch.com for more information about tarot readings and the apothecary